You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Jonah Tulls from the Draft Network. He is also the host of Locked On College Football. He is joining us on the show a little bit later to talk NFL draft. I promise you some draft conversations this week. We will get some more next week previewing the Combine and then, of course, all sorts of discussions around the Combine coming up before free agency. And that's how the offseason works. All of a sudden, it's the Combine, free agency, and then before you know it, the draft is here and minicamp is here and we're talking about actual football happening on the practice field, even if it's not happening on the real field. So a lot to get to in the coming days, including our conversation with Jonah today. If you missed our show yesterday on the linebacker position, it is something worth going back to before we have this discussion because I reference it a number of times and we talk about a player on this show that we do not talk about on yesterday's show and I find out really and I, I had a feeling, but this, this solidified it. I, I had a feeling that I'd, I'd potentially made a mistake in not including this particular player. I don't want to spoil it. I want to make you listen and get to the point in the show. But I, I may have erred in not studying a particular player because I assumed NFL teams would view him a particular way. And it sounds like. He may not be viewed that way and clearly doesn't want to be viewed that way for NFL teams. I'm going to tease it that way, and that is the most you will get from me for now. Before we get to that conversation with Jonah, though, an interesting article spurred an idea for me as we head into the free agent process as these players are getting cut and as the Packers are considering their options when it comes to how to handle what will be a, a somewhat slow offseason by Brian Utican's standards the last two years in free agency. Matt Schneidman in The Athletic, in a mailbag he did this week, said he expects Josh Jackson to be traded. Not just thinks it could happen, expects, believes it will happen. And the problem for the Packers is Jackson was a second-round pick, and doesn't look like he's a player right now at cornerback. It was a zone corner only at Iowa and was going to need to learn to play man coverage, was not ideally suited physically to be in man coverage, and yet in the preseason as a rookie really showed out. The last month, six weeks of his rookie season played well after a rough start to his rookie campaign, but last year was just not up to par in the limited snaps that he did play 
after an injury in the preseason limited his ability to make some progress to show coaches that that he had turned any kind of corner outplayed by Kadar Holman outplayed by Shannon Sullivan clearly outplayed by Tremont Williams who by the way was really good this past season for the Packers what does a, a trade really get you at this point what is what are you getting in a trade for Josh Jackson there you know a lot of Packer fans the the question that 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 Matt was answering was about a Josh Jackson for O.J. Howard trade. And the problem with that is O.J. Howard has actually shown he can be a useful NFL player. Josh Jackson has not shown that. So you would basically have to convince a GM to use only his pre-draft evaluation, assuming he really liked Josh Jackson, and say, okay, well, this is still the player he can be, even though for two years he hasn't been that, and... We spent this whole offseason and into the year making sure he didn't play defensive snaps for us. That's a tough sell. So if if all you're going to get is a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick for Josh Jackson, this is year three. Change his position. Let him, let him try safety. Let him, you know, give him a chance to return punts, which the Packers had at times considered doing. Give him opportunities to play elsewhere to see if he can glean some value. Trading him at this point when his value is close to nothing doesn't make any sense. If after this season he still can't play, you try and trade him and in all likelihood end up having to cut him. And and that just is what it is. But at least you you gave it the old college try. You gave him the chance to prove he could play even if he couldn't. Now, there are other names that I think are worth considering for the Packers when it comes to trades. And one is Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley is going to count more than $10 million on the Packers cap this season. Cutting him would save $8.5 million with a $2 million dead cap hit. Now, Corey Lindsley is a very good player, was the number one pass-blocking center in football last season, but he's a center and is going to count $10 million on the cap. That's really all you need to know. A trade would save them that money and get back something in return versus simply cutting him. Remember, too, Lucas Patrick is under contract and has performed well in spot duty over the last few years, especially at center, is someone that Aaron Rodgers has faith in. And though Corey Lindsley is a very good player, he, too, is on the older end, was an older prospect coming out of Ohio State, and so is not someone who, you know, is going gonna, is gonna to continue to be a core member of your team for, you know, seven years to come. He's 28, is going to be 29 by the time the season opens. That's not that much younger than someone like Brian Bulaga, who the Packers seem content to move on from right now. I mean, could could just say no. He's he's not going to be part of the future moving forward. And and Brian Bulaga is thirty, going to be thirty one. That's not that much older. So could you save that money, get a pick, and and or a player? I mean, would would the Buccaneers do OJ Howard for Corey Lindsley? Maybe maybe that is the the more likely option for the Packers. That is something that could make some sense now. Another name, and this was something that Robert Mays and Danny Heifetz brought up on the Ringer NFL show that I do not think would happen, but is at least worth thinking about. The name that they mentioned was Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, in the last year of his rookie deal, 
is going to get more than $7 million this year from the Packers. Green Bay has already invested heavily in their two outside linebackers. They've paid Dean Lowry. They have cheap players in the secondary outside of Adrian Amos, but they might, they might feel that Kenny Clark just doesn't match his contract in terms of his impact on the field. Now, I would quibble with that. I would say, no, thank you. I do not think that is right. But if you don't want to pay him $14 million, which is what really good players, especially at his age, I mean, he's not even 25 yet, they are going to make serious money. He is a Pro Bowl caliber player. And if the Packers say, well, he's just not worth that $14 million if what we can get with that $14 million is a re-signed Brian Bulaga that we couldn't get otherwise, maybe they consider making a move there. I, I don't see it. I don't see it, but it is something that I think is at least worth considering as fans that the Packers could be in the mix to do. It is something that that they might at least consider, though Kenny Clark is almost certainly going to want an extension right away. Brian Gutekinds has said the plan all along was to let Clark play this season and then get an extension done this offseason. There is a way to make his extension uh, cost less on the, pack, on, on the Packers cap this year than he does right now, which would free up some money for Brian Bulaga and other players, but we'll see what they opt to do there. Just a couple names I wanted to throw out there in terms of possible options for the Packers because they do not have a a perfect cap situation. Now, Josh Jackson's not going to save them money on the cap. Corey Lindsley would, and Kenny Clark would. That doesn't mean the Packers will do it. And speaking of would, if you need some help in that department, BlueChew.com can help. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance his performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew.com prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. All right, let's get some draft talk. He is an NFL draft analyst over at the Draft Network. He is also the co-host of Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonah Tulls, T-U-L-S, NFL. Jonah, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers. Man, I'm so excited to be on here. Thanks, Peter, for having me on. So let's talk big picture about this 2020 draft class because I'm I'm just digging in, just wading in, maybe you know ankle deep right now in the in mm-hmm. the process. But I know that that you have have had more opportunities to to really dig in. Just give me your overall view. What stands out to you in this draft class as we head toward the combine, which is going to give us this whole other set of information? Yeah, there are just so many variables in this draft class. I mean, you look immediately what stands out is the quarterbacks, right? Joe Burrow, potentially number one overall draft pick. Tua Tagovailoa, what's going to happen with his hip injury? What kind of notes are we going to really, you know, get revealed to us at the combine in terms of the medical rechecks? That'll be a big deal for him. 
then you got guys like Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, all their guys who could really sneak into the top 15, 16 picks. There's a legit chance five quarterbacks go in the first round. And I think with that being a possibility, quarterback is going to have all eyes on them over there in Indianapolis at the Combine. And then you look at the wide receiver class. I mean, we talk about that you know, the vaunted 2014 group, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and so on and so on, and Devontae Adams as well. And then so people are saying that this 2020 class is the best wide receiver group since that 2014 crop. And so I think when we, when we go to the combine, one of the biggest headlines is uh, which wide receivers separate themselves, right? You got the, the speed demons. You got Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager who are going to run sub 4-3. And then you got the, you know, the Amari Cooper clone and Jerry Judy. Then you got this CeeDee Lamb who most people believe is the top receiver in this class. So the wide receiver group is going to catch a lot of eyes as well as the quarterback group. Then the defense, this is just overall one of the deepest classes we've had in years. And the top-end talent, I think, is one of the best we've seen also in years. So just an overall good draft class, headlined by top quarterback talent and headlined by top talent throughout at all the other positions. One of the things we've been talking about on this show, uh, in particular recently, is this idea of the Packers potentially waiting on a receiver to not make that move in the first if there's, if there's you know, let's say an offensive tackle and then Brian Bulaga is not brought back or they, they love a, a Kenneth Murray, a Patrick Queen, and someone is there in the first. For you, where is the drop-off in this class? Is it reasonable to say, okay, in the second, even the third round, there could be a legitimately good, useful player who can come in and be – you know, an impactful, if not rookie, second-year player, you know, once they get into the league and get acclimated? Yeah, I think once you get past day two, I think that's whenever the drop-off starts to, I guess, become more steep. Sure. Um, because, I mean, this is like two years ago, for example, the Dallas Cowboys took Michael Gallup in the third round, and that class is a lot weaker than what this class shows. And that, that's just going to tell you how much talent's going to be in the third round. Yeah. The guys like Denzel Mims, Colin Johnson, um, Antonio Gandy Golden. These are all players who I think will be available in the late second, you know, third roundish range. And so it, day two is going to be a hotbed for this wide receiver group because there's going to be only three or four wide receivers, I think, go in the first round. You look at guys like CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then probably T. Higgins. I think those guys are probably locks to go in the first round, in my opinion. Then you get guys like LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager. Um, and Brandon Ayuk and those guys, probably fringe first, second round guys. You can probably, you know, is your best hopes get them in the second round. But, you know, I think the best bang for your buck at this wide receiver class in terms of where the Packers pick is going to be in that second round range because that's where you're going to see the best value. And you talk about linebackers and receivers. The best value for linebacker for where the Packers are picking is the first round. Because yeah. if you don't draft Kenneth Murray with that first-round pick, you're not getting him in the second round. The same goes for Patrick Queen. And the same might even go for a guy like Zach Bond from Wisconsin as well. So if you want your linebacker to really produce right away and start, then you're going to have to take that player in the first round where the Packers are picking in the late one. Um, but if, then if you want to get the best bang for your buck, go linebacker, then receiver, and follow that up, and then you'll get a good haul in that draft class. I'm glad you brought up Zach Baum because he's a player that a lot of my audience is familiar with, having played at the University of Wisconsin, and went to the Senior Bowl, said, I want to play off ball after playing yeah. more as an edge player uh, in his in his career with Jim Leonard in Madison. First of all, did that shock you when he said that? And is it a, a transition you think he can make in the NFL? 
it did not shock me at all because that is exactly what he's going to be asked to do. You look at guys like Hassan Reddick, who went to the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago out of Temple, and he did the same exact thing. He was a pure full-time edge rusher over for the Owls in Philadelphia, and he came over to the Senior Bowl and transitioned to off-ball linebacker and ended up becoming a top-15 pick. I think Bond has that same kind of physical profile. Not going to blow you away with his size, only about 6'2", 240 pounds. His arm length isn't great. So playing full-time edge wasn't really going to be something that was going to be in his future, I don't think. A lot of people compared him to TJ Watt, you know, wrongfully because they played at the same school. Two different body types, two different physical profiles. TJ Watt, much longer arms, a much bigger guy. I think Bond, is, with his lack of length, lack of height, I think his game is best suited off-ball. I'm glad he embraces that because that's going to be his best role. I think what he can hope to be is like the Hassan Rett, Kyle Van Noy kind of player. And that's going to be a valuable player for a defense. And I don't mean to undersell it at all because his versatility, his ability to play, you know, we, we see him drop at Wisconsin. We've seen him drop back in coverage multiple times. We've seen him play with his instincts. We've seen him come downhill and fill the gaps. I think this guy is so versatile. I don't think you have to really peg him into one role. I think you can, I think you can situationally let him rush. But in terms of his full-time position, I think it's going to be at that weak side linebacker spot where he can be able to roam and be able to roam in space and go side on the sideline. So I'm a big fan of Zach Bond, but I hope that teams embrace that position of him playing off ball because that's where he's going to be best. Yeah, it was interesting. I was I was reading uh, Lance Zerline's uh, scouting report of him over at NFL.com, and the player comp that that he used was Clay Matthews. And I think what he meant was USC Clay Matthews, not Green Bay Packer in his prime Clay Matthews. A lot of people forget that Matthews coming out was a little bit of a tweener in the same way. Was he an off-ball linebacker? Was he Mm -hmm. a true pass rusher? And he became what we know now. But when he was drafted, he had played off the ball at USC as well. So... That, that it's it's a someone that I think I feel like I need to I need to dig into. I was gonna wait until I study the edge guys, but it sounds like I need to get on it. Oh yeah, for sure. This guy, I think once we get to the combine, we'll start to see like he's like I said. I hate to you know keep banging the head here of Hassan Reddick, where he you know kept rising and rising in the process, and all of a sudden he went from a day two guy to a top twenty lock, and ended up going I think thirteenth overall to the Cardinals a couple of years back. And so I think we and can he, see by the way, Bond. is not a good player now. So hopefully, no, no, hopefully no. Zach Bond is becomes a good player. <laughs> it, exactly. So it's, it's the same kind of mold, though, right? It's the yeah, same kind of range sure. to where you can see him go from that mid to late day two to start the process and all of a sudden work his way up into that top 20, top 25 range to where if you're the Packers drafting as late as you are in the round one, you're going to have to take him at that pick or you're not going to see him again in the second round. Yeah, it's a name that I that I haven't seen a ton, but it's starting to crop up there at 30. I mean, I, there was one on NFL.com the other day that had Bond there, and I was sort of perplexed by it. But but you making the case that that you think he can be an off-ball type player? Absolutely. That uh, it, it's interesting to me for sure. Are there you know we're we're a week away now from the combine, a little bit less, and uh, th- there are going to be players who test well enough. To, to change their stock. And, and this is always a, a dangerous proposition, right? We don't want number one to count it twice. If they're right. athletic on tape and they're athletic at the combine, it doesn't count twice, but we also don't want to overvalue the pure athleticism. The football, mm. the football side is still important, but if there's someone who is in that sort of, you know, early second, but with a good combine could push into that late first that maybe the Packers could be in position to grab. Who oh, yeah. are some of those guys? Oh, man. This is a great question because I love that you said that don't count it twice, right? 
So when Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager run 4-2-5, everyone's going to be, oh, wow, look at that time. But it's like we already knew they were fast, right? Right. <laughs> All the talk has been how explosive they are and how you know dynamic they are with the ball in their hands. So it's, it's not, it's, it's not going to be a surprise, right? So I think what you want to see is from someone that you didn't see on tape. And I think, to me, one of the – one of the receivers that can have a really big chance to really rise from a big combine, I think, is LaVisca Chenault. Mm. And it's not that I think LaVisca Chenault is not athletic, because I think he's obviously he's basically impossible to tackle when he has the ball in his hands. He's explosive. But I want to see him get you know under sub 4-5. I think that's a big number for him. I want to see him in the 4-4s. Four if he goes out and jumps 40 inches, runs 4-4 four four flat and does all that, he's going to look like an absolute freak. And I, I just don't see how that kind of player – with what he showed at Colorado, could follow the first round after an excellent combine like that. And then moving over to, I guess, linebacker as well. I mean, I, I know we've seen it time and time again, but this is more of a second, third-round guy. I know we talk about Kenneth Murray, we talk about Patrick Queen, Zach Bond, but if someone like Troy Dye from mm. Oregon, mm-hmm. if he ends up running if he ends up running as well as I think he will, because he's, he's a good athlete, he's a guy who runs sideline to the sideline, but he kind of played out of position a little bit at Oregon. He played the mic for Oregon. So he was asked to take on blocks. He was asked to really stack and shed at the point of attack. He wasn't really asked to accentuate his strengths as a weak side linebacker roam free, right? Whereas in the NFL, he's going to play that weak side role where he can be able to play in space. I think with Troy Dye, if he, he's going to go out there and run sub 4-6. And if he, I think he's going to jump higher than probably any linebacker, probably other than Isaiah Simmons over at the combine. He's going to look really freaky. And it would not surprise me at all with a good combine. He jumps right back into that top 60 range. There, one of the, the players who you didn't mention in that group at the linebacker position, who his, his evaluation at this point is all over the map. I've seen him in the top 60. I've seen him outside the top 100, who I think could have a really good combine is Akeem Davis Gaither. Oh, yeah. From App State, an undersized guy, someone who at what, 215, 220? Yep. Was was rushing the passer and in a game against South Carolina, we're talking about a legit SEC school. They couldn't block him. They couldn't find him. He was everywhere. It, it can where where can he get to if he has a good combine? Because it's he seems like the kind of guy who's going to come out and just in every drill look like a safety, which is basically his body type at this point. Yep. And I remember talking to him at the senior ball. I was like, what position do you think is going to be best for your fit at the next level? And he was firm. He was, I'm a linebacker. And I like that because that, just, that alpha attitude. And I think Akeem Davis gets me watched him on film. You talked about, he just flies from sideline to sideline and he does not look like 215 pounds. He's a rocked up dude who yep. plays much more physical than that. And you can see that when he's shedding blocks, I think he could play inside linebacker. I think he could play outside linebacker. He's just really – if he was two or three inches bigger and like 10 pounds you know, heavier, we would talk about him in the first round. Um, but th- th- that's just not the case. With him. The physical profile is a little bit lacking as, as opposed to the top guys. But and if he played a, a bigger school, I think we would get a lot more attention to his name. But I think with a good combine, he could really cement himself as a second-round pick. I've been high on him since – you know, I guess from since October when I first laid my eyes on him. And this guy, like I said, roams from sideline to sideline a wild man and he's great in coverage <laughs> uh, i i hope he runs really well i hope he runs somewhere in the four sixes because that could be so huge for his draft stock i mean that could really cement his stock in the top 60 and he'd be a great fit for the packers in the late second i think the agilities and and the explosives he's going to do really well in too. just absolutely the, the quickness the short area quickness the change he might run the best stuff. three cone of any linebacker there 
Yep, that was exactly what I had in my mind when I when I was saying that. It, it's He's going to be a, a fun guy to watch and, and is someone that I think Packer fans already have their eye on a little bit. I want to ask you an, a Packer-adjacent question as we finish up here because you are someone who has your eye very closely on a certain team in Texas. <laughs> and they now have a former Packers coach in charge. That's right. In Dallas. So what are your initial impressions? What have your now that we've had some time to, to simmer on this, where are yeah. you with Mike McCarthy in Dallas? Yeah, so I'm really glad that Jerry Jones let Mike McCarthy build his own staff. I think that was really big for him um, because I think keeping you know some of these old guys like Chris Rashad, Rod Marinelli, I think you got to go a full reset with a coaching staff because this roster I think is ready to compete uh, right now. And I yep. think like, a guy like Mike McCarthy, I don't think you could ask for a guy better to really kind of command the ship guy with, you know, Super Bowl experience guy. Who, and people were saying like, well, what has Mike McCarthy done the last couple of years? Well, he's beaten the Cowboys the last two great <laughs> runs they've had in the playoffs, right? I mean, the last two great chances the Cowboys had of making the Super Bowl, the Packers beat them in the divisional round. And who is their head coach? Mike McCarthy. Yep. That's my argument to Cowboys fans. And it's just, you know, I understand there's a lot of qualms about McCarthy and what how he ended in Green Bay. But I think that experience and what he's going to provide, I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize about Mike McCarthy is his ability to develop young quarterbacks. He was so instrumental in the development of Aaron Rodgers coming out when he first got to Green Bay, coming yeah. out from San Francisco, and really helped build Aaron Rodgers to what he became. And I think with Dak Prescott kind of you know, at a crossroads of, of, of sorts, right? He had, he had sort of an MVP caliber season, kind of fell off towards the end in a contract year. You know, What are they going to do with him? They're going to franchise him, give him a long-term extension. Obviously, I think the Cowboys are going to try to do anything they can to keep him. And once they do, that development of Mike McCarthy is going to be so huge for the Cowboys' future. And I think getting someone like McCarthy, who's a quarterback kind of guru, to work with a young guy like Prescott is so huge. And that just goes into his experience. Again, playoff experience, Super Bowl experience. You couldn't ask for a guy that I think could be – I think people are talking about Lincoln Riley. People are talking about Matt Rule. I like those guys. But I like those guys more for rebuilding teams, right? Like yeah. Carolina. I think you want to set a program. You want to create a new brand. You bring in a guy like that who can really, you know, stick around five, six years and create a franchise. With Mike McCarthy, I think he's like a ready-made kind of guy who can step right in and fill that gap that Jason Garrett was leaving and be cut, take this team to the playoffs. I think this is a it's a it's a high floor move. Whereas if they have the ceiling of a Lincoln Riley Matt Rule head coaching job. I think that's what the Cowboys need. The Cowboys just need to get to the playoffs because once they get there, they can really compete with anybody. One thing that has been really underappreciated, I think, about Mike McCarthy in in Dallas is he always talked about and, and sort of pined after having a quarterback with a little bit more running ability and being able to use that part of mm-hmm. a quarterback's game. And and obviously, Dak Prescott brings that. I'm, I'm very interested to see – how McCarthy manifests that desire to have oh, yeah. that kind of quarterback and maybe lets him run a little bit more of the zone read and, and some of the interesting stuff to take advantage of of Dak's legs because early in Dak's career, he killed the Packers with stuff like that. I mean, you go back oh, yeah. to that, that great run that he had, that, that number one seed season, they went to Dallas, or excuse me, they went to Green Bay, the Cowboys did, and he killed them. The, the Packers had no answers for Dak yep. Prescott. So uh, that, is a, that is a part that I'm really interested to see. Jonah, yeah. this, is, this has been really great. Um, where can my listeners find more of the work that you do? 
Yeah, so they, you guys can follow me on Twitter at JonahTulseNFL. That's just J-O-N-A-H-T-U-L-S-N-F-L. And then my work is at the Draft Network, and that'll just be at DraftNetwork.com. And then I'm the co-host of the Locked On College Football Podcast with Jordan Reed. So make sure you give that a listen as well. So, again, Peter, thanks for having me on, man. I love talking about the draft. love talking about the NFL. And it hates me to say it, but, you know, I like talking about the Packers these days, my friend. <laughs> Outstanding. I'm, I'm, uh, my, my goal to have Jordan on very soon. Awesome. Uh, the, the Locked On brand is strong, my friend. Oh, absolutely, my friend. All right, I want to thank Jonah again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And as I said, we will get his his host, uh, co-host, Jordan Reed, also at the Draft Network, co-host of Locked On College Football, has been on this show before because he has covered the Vikings in the past. And we won't hold that against him because he's not just a really good guy. He's a really smart person when it comes to the NFL draft. So someone we will get on the show in the coming days, weeks, months, whatever it is. However we need to schedule it, we'll get him on, okay? I appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow. Much more to come. Answering your questions, getting all the NFL drafts content out that we need to. And talking a little bit about the linebacker position, talking a little bit about free agency. So a lot to get to tomorrow. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. It's so easy. I've tried to make it so easy for you to hit me up with your questions, comments, movie reviews, uh, hot pot recipes, whatever you want to send me. Feel free to send it to me at our Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.